Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information, head to calvarystgeorges.org. Just recently, I have learned about uh, a woman whose husband uh, had died, and after the funeral, the widow made some arrangements for a gravestone. And she inscribed on the gravestone these words, May he rest in peace. Unfortunately, a few days after she ordered the inscription, she learned that during uh, his working days, her husband had had slightly more than a working relationship uh, with his secretary. And the widow also learned that this same secretary figured fairly prominently in his last will and testament. So as you can imagine, uh, the widow was furious and she stormed off to the man who was preparing the gravestone. And she told him not to put the inscription on the stone. Uh, Unfortunately, it was too late. Uh, The words had already been chiseled into the granite. And so the widow looked around at some other gravestones in the shop and she said, I want you to add the words on the stone that's over there. And so now, out in the cemetery, the husband has a gravestone that reads, May he rest in peace until we meet again. (laughs) Well, believe it or not, that story really does um, have a connection with the passages from Scripture that we have just heard. And the story connects because it speaks to that subtle, uh, ominous kind of fear that each one of us here in some way shares this morning that any peace that we find and rest in for a little while is finally not going to last. It speaks to that quiet but deep dread that the last word for our lives really is not going to be peace, but rather the past catching up with us. For the peace that we're looking for finally to be shattered by some sort of judgment of the ways in which we've not conformed to all of those laws that we just spoke about at the beginning of this service. Now, there's another way of describing this exact same dynamic of peace not lasting, and that's to talk about visions. You remember that the book of Proverbs says, without a vision, the people perish. And so, for instance, in the first reading we just heard this morning, there's a wonderful picture um, of a vision for something more. You remember that Abraham is 75 years old, Sarah is 65 years old, they've just retired, they're collecting Social Security, they've settled into a wonderful retirement community on the Upper East Side, and then God shows up and he says to them, I know you don't have any children, but look out. Because I'm going to bless you with more children and grandchildren than there are stars in the sky. All you need to do is pack one bag apiece, go down to Port Authority and get on a bus, and just trust that I will lead the way where you're supposed to go. Abraham and Sarah, taking the risk of a vision. The vision of having one foot in the geriatric ward and the other foot in the pediatric ward. It's the risk of a vision for a new life and a new land. And as you know, later on, Sarah uses her pension check to pay for pampers. So that is wonderful. But then we come to today's gospel. And the concern in this gospel 
is that sometimes the visions that are set before us seem to fade. To go back to the gravestone story, sometimes we have visions for peace, and the peace doesn't seem to last. And the issue in today's gospel is that sometimes visions seem to fade. Sometimes my experience is of sensing a vision for something more and then retreating back into everything that is comfortable and controllable. The author Dorothy Sayers describes this kind of retreat. She says, the church has very efficiently paired the clause of the Lion of Judah, certified him as a fitting household pet for a pale curate. Without a vision, it just is what it is, and the people perish. And so in today's gospel, we've got a picture of a man who's got a vision. He's glimpsing a vision of being on the brink of entering into new life, and who's tempted to retreat back from that vision. The person's name is Nicodemus. Nicodemus is a very important person. He's a Pharisee. He's a leader in the community. He's a lawyer. He's a member of the Sanhedrin, which is the Jewish Supreme Court. And this passage is sometimes called Nick at Night because Nicodemus sneaks out by night to go visit Jesus. He goes to talk to the very man whom the Sanhedrin is investigating as a false prophet. And he comes because he sees in Jesus the possibility of a vision. The possibility of a vision for something more. Something else besides steely-eyed judgment for all of those laws we just talked about that we're not really keeping 100% or even 10%. And what does Jesus say to him? He says that it all boils down to the fact that you need to be born anew. And if not, you might as well just give up. And you remember that Nicodemus responds by getting a little defensive. He says, I don't go for all this TV evangelist stuff. How do you get born anew anyway? And especially if you're old. How do you get born anew if it's just a struggle to get out of bed in the morning? And just then, a gust of wind comes down the chimney, and the embers in the fire burst into flames. And Jesus points over to the fire and he says, Nicodemus, being born anew is just like that. It isn't something you do. The wind does it. The spirit does it. And with that, the defensiveness goes out of Nicodemus's voice. And with a kind of yearning and maybe a little fear, he says, how can this be? I know that this kind of transformation is really at the center of things, but in my experience, it's not possible. How can this be? And Jesus responds with the words that have been said millions of times. Jesus responds with words so profound that Martin Luther called them the gospel in miniature. Nicodemus, God so loved the world and you that he gave his son his only begotten Son, so that you might not perish, but have everlasting life. There's a contemporary version of what Jesus says here, written by a wonderful um, man named um, uh, Frederick Beekner. He says, I'm telling you, Nicodemus, 
There are people on Medicare walking around with the love light in their eyes. I'm telling you, there are ex-cons teaching Sunday school. I'm telling you, there are undertakers scared silly will put them out of business. I'm telling you, God's got such a thing for this loused-up planet that he has sent me down so that you will come to, come to life. And then Frederick Buechner concludes, What impressed Nicodemus even more than the speech of Jesus was the quickening of his own breathing and the pounding of his own heart. He hadn't felt like that since his first pair of long pants, his first kiss, or the first time his first child the time his first child was born. Well, the conversation must have gone on a long time. What we've got in, in the Bible is just a partial transcript of, of what went on that night. But in my mind's eye, I see Nicodemus standing up to leave in the early light of dawn with a vision he'd never known before, beginning to take root and find a home in his spirit. He leaves that room beginning to understand what St. Paul says in today's second reading. God calls into existence that which does not exist. Now, I wish I knew uh, what happened to Nicodemus. The Bible doesn't tell us. But he does appear one more time just after Jesus has died. The Bible says that he goes to the tomb in broad daylight where everyone can see him to pay his respects. And the author Frederick Buechner writes, when Nicodemus, Nicodemus heard the next day that some of the disciples had seen Jesus alive again, he wept like a newborn baby. So I want to close with one little picture of a vision. It's an experience that happened to an Episcopal priest who's a friend of mine. It's an experience that I bet Nicodemus had when he met Jesus. It's a vision for experiencing real, honest-to-goodness, no hesitation, no qualifying, 100% forgiveness and love. This Episcopal priest was walking with a woman on a damp, chilly winter Sunday afternoon to the grave of her son who had been killed in Vietnam. And she had lots of memories of her son, and she was sharing them with the priest. And as she was reminiscing, she told the priest that if she could have five minutes of her son's life again, it would be the day that he disobeyed her and ran into her garden, an angry, rebellious little boy, and trampled some of her flowers. And then in a little while, with a broken flower in his hand, he came back and threw himself into her arms, asking for forgiveness. And the woman said to the priest, You know, I don't think he was afraid of punishment. He just was sorry that he hurt me. And if I could have him back for just five minutes, I would want to take that mercy-seeking little boy and hold him in my arms. And that's the vision. That's the vision for a connection with a God who is like that woman. That's the vision that Nicodemus found out was real when he was encountered by Jesus. 
And that is the vision that is offered to you and me this morning. A vision for mercy. A vision for forgiveness. A vision for those arms. A vision even this morning, whatever's going on, for the kind of peace that the world can neither give nor take away. In Jesus our Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of the parish, you can make an online donation at calvarystgeorges.org slash giving. Thank you.